Hey everyone, I just had an amazing conversation with Chalaja Sharma, who's the founder of Happy Booch. We spoke about her career changes. We spoke about how she almost became a lawyer, but wanted to pursue the artist in her. How she went to McLeod Gunj and had a life-changing experience. We spoke about how do you create a new working category. We also spoke about multiple challenges that come when you're creating a new category. So don't forget to listen to the entire episode. I'll see you guys inside. That helps sink. Uh, Challenger. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that will become a thing. Yeah. It, 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 it is great BTS vibe. Anyways, uh, Challenger, you've started a very interesting company in a very interesting space. Right. I would say in a very nascent space. But before we talk about Happy Booch, tell me, uh, give me in one minute your life from when you were born to Happy Booch. Okay. So I think uh, growing up, I identified myself like I was telling you just some time back. I identify myself as an artist. So I've always had this thing of creating objects with my hand, whether that's through clay or paper or just painting and all of that. Uh, but I never really believed in my abilities as an artist. So that remains a work in progress. But I try to use that as an expression in my life, in the work that I do. So earlier when I was in media, that really helped uh, in terms of storytelling. And uh, with Happy Booch later, I think uh, what I really enjoyed was, this, was the initial year where I got to design the label, you know, along with the design, obviously, but adding all those cute elements into the label, like we have a cat there and a lot of other things going on. Um, so I really enjoy the creative aspects of anything and even the business as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that's essentially me. Love yeah. it. Uh, I think many founders, entrepreneurs at some level, are creators, are right. artists, they uh, are. Uh, and this is one form of, I, if you ask me, entrepreneurship is, I think, one form of art. Right. right? Because there is no science. It is an art, right? Mm. Because two people are doing exactly the same business. One can become very successful, one not, even if they're following a similar formula. Yeah. And that, that's what art, art will uh, come up with. Yeah. So uh, why, why did you get into kombucha? So my story is not like how, um, you know, usually people sit down and plan a business and they have have an intention to sort of grow that business in a specific way and, you know, hire and all of that. Um, my starting Happy Booch was a purely very random thing. Um, I was in my media job. I was looking for something more satisfying. So I was wondering whether I should, uh, you know, like, move to the law profession, for example, because I was studying law at that point, which I abandoned midway. That's another story. Uh, I was looking to get into an MBA school. So I did apply to a B school and got through the initial uh, bit, but I didn't sign up for the actual course because I was like, no, this is not what I want to do. Uh, so feeling all over the place and then wanting to do something uh, of my own, but not really knowing if I'm capable of doing that because I think in my family and also with my um, initial years, I never thought of starting a business, even though there were there were points where I felt like it would be interesting to run a tea business, for example. So there's a huge tea thing, you know, like in a lot of Indian homes, there's a lot of fascination for tea. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with wanting to concoct different things using the leaves and, uh, you know, flowers and different kind of teas. Mm -hmm. uh, so I always found that part fascinating, but I never had the balls, so to say, to actually start a business. Um, so I always would just shun that idea. I would be like, nah, uh, I used to 
actually researched the consumer sector. So I used to meet a lot of the consumer sector CEOs um, for almost 10 years and basically just pick their brains, get to know their story and, you know, learn all about the tricks of the trade. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you actually step into running the business, you understand what, what it means to run a volume business. Uh, so I think... Um, to give you a little bit of backstory of how uh, it started, mm. um, I was just tired of my job, doing really well at it, but just not feeling connected to it. And um, there was just a voice inside me saying, just move on, like move on to something else. So I thought maybe it would be interesting to apply to a consumer company uh, for a marketing job or even a sales job, anything. I was willing to do anything. But I think my initial conversations with the few companies that I had um, was a little discouraging. Like they didn't see the credentials in me and they didn't understand like why would somebody from a media background make for a good fit in marketing or whatever, even though I believed that I had those abilities. Um, anyway, so I, I just left my job and I left for uh, McLeod Gunge, you know, such a stereotypical yeah. thing to do. But I think that place has some magic because when I went there, um, I think I felt instantly at peace with not knowing what lies ahead. And at the same time, I came back with a lot of inspiration. And so the kombucha jar that was sitting in my kitchen for a long time, for a year or two before that, it just I just suddenly looked at it in a different way. And I said, why not give this a shot? And why not share this with people? Because this is a product that makes me so happy. I mean, at that time, it was not a product, but that just the food, the the food, the real food that it was in my kitchen, it made me really happy. I enjoyed the process of creating different flavors and I thought it would be interesting just to, till, till the time I figure out what I want to do next, just look at experimenting with it. So I spent a few months just experimenting with flavors and with different things and just studying the market in US, obsessing over how large the category there is and whether, you know, in India it would make any sense. But I was just like, anyway, it's an experiment. It's just a temporary thing. And um, I think I um, started supplying initially to a local cafe uh, by the liter. Mm. So just non-branded bottles by the liter to a cafe. And uh, I think I created an Instagram. So somebody saw that and invited me to a farmer's market. So I started going to the farmer's market thinking I'll just do one or two. But then I ended up going to all of them all weekends. And that's how I think one night I was just sitting and I was thinking, what should I call it? And um, I thought this booch is a slang word for kombucha. So I said, happy booch. This is it. It makes me so happy. And I think anybody who would drink it will feel that happiness. So um, that's how the brand was born. Um, and then people started asking for it to be home delivered. So it was just a very random farmer's market success story, as happens with a lot of kombucha brands. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the history of kombucha in US, I think all brands started like that at right. farmer's markets or sampling at stores and all of that. So because in India, people didn't know about it, I had that advantage along with, um, I think one or two brands that were already also there around the same time. So there's Bambucha from Bombay, which is really nice. And uh, Nitin from Bambucha also started in the same year. So we started going to different farmers markets around the same time. And um, I think thereafter, it's just organically grown, I think for the first year, in fact, for the first three years, uh, the main way of, um, or the main uh, mode of communicating to customers or to people in the market was the farmer's markets for me. Uh, obviously, there was social media. And so I feel when I started off, um, I never had this intention of creating a large business, even though I hoped and wished that it should become mm. 
a brand that is in every fridge in India and I still want it, I still want Happy Bush to be in every fridge in India. Um, but um, I, my intention was just to make people just share the feeling of what I felt when I had the kombucha. So I think because the intention was correct, if I may say so, um, I found a lot of help. I think a lot of help came my way. A lot of, um, you know, um, businesses like stores and cafes approached me and it was very easy for me to, you know, start expanding and selling the product. So, do you believe in manifestation? I do believe in manifestation because it's, 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 it, it, it works. I mean, it's, um, it's basically your subconscious programming for your reality to take place in your life. And, um, I did kind of, in, in the initial years when I did put intention behind, say I wanted uh, media coverage or I wanted to appear in a certain magazine, those things would happen very quickly. Yeah. So, very few people believe in something like manifestation uh, because they think, oh, there's no science behind it. How can it just work? But people who have witnessed how it works for them and practice, you know, uh, uh, a certain way, uh, practice their thoughts or position their thoughts a certain yeah. way, and once they start seeing results, yeah. then there's no two ways about it. Right. right? Uh, when you started uh, Happy Booch, where did you see it going? Like, where did you want to be five years from after you started? When I started? So, when I started, I wanted to be in um, some really good cafes, some really good stores, um, and also get organic word of mouth. Mm. Um, and I think all of that happened in the beginning. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so, as you grow yeah what is the biggest challenge you're facing i think uh when i started i didn't really i mean i knew because i had been researching the consumer sector so i knew that scaling up volumes especially with glass and liquid in it is challenging but i didn't know the extent of how how backbreaking it would be and especially as a solo founder i i think i did not think much about it because i was like jo hoga dekha jayega i mean as of now things are working out so they will work out in future as well so I lacked that um, you know that sitting down on table and like executing uh, my strategy in terms of growth I didn't do that and I understand um, you know why I didn't do that and probably my mindset wasn't really uh, prepared I didn't have those experiences but today after I see all that has happened, the good and the bad, I think you can also manifest the bad, you know, with your of business course, and generally course. with your life. So, uh, although nothing terrible has happened, but I'm saying, you know, not really having that uh, insight and not also wanting to seek that help at the right time has taught me several lessons in how quick or slow your growth can be. Asking for help is, I think, one of the biggest signs of strength. Yeah. And most people think it's completely the opposite where they think, oh, fast for help, it looks bad. People mm. think I'm weak. People think I don't understand. Uh, and many a times you land up asking for help a little late, but you should still ask for help. At yeah. some point in yeah. time, you realize that you can't do everything by yourself. Right. Right. Uh, do you ever feel that, hey, if I had a co-founder, life would have been a little different, life would have been better? Definitely. Sure. Okay. Yeah. What would you look for in a co-founder? Somebody who's very smart with asking for money because I lack that ability. Like I, like I, my money's stuck and I really don't know how to get people to pay me. So somebody who's really smart with money, who's very street smart and somebody who, um, you know, doesn't, um, 
I mean somebody who's very straight up in terms of calling out bullshit because I tend to be too soft. I think uh, okay. that's a problem I have. And also somebody who would love to kind of um, look at numbers a little more uh, passionately, I would say, because I enjoy more of the creative aspects of running. So you would want somebody who's good at numbers, a little bit more assertive with hmm. customers and like making them pay on time. I think that's uh, not with customers per se, like not, a, not with the D to C, but yeah, the large retailers, companies. for example. So cash flows is a, a pain for almost most yeah, companies. Yeah. So unless you have very stringent norms, right. it's very difficult to maintain great cash flow because every company will try and delay as much as they can. Right. So unless you're strict, unless you don't extend credit, you don't send the next batch, you have to be able to have those mm. controls in place. And it gets difficult because also yeah. oh, business, if you don't send it out, you're losing that revenue. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, the revenue to come back to actual realization is going to take a long time. Yeah. Right. Uh, you were one of the first movers in your category, right? Right. Uh, do you see that as an advantage or do you see that as a disadvantage? I would say advantage for sure because um, because the word of mouth really helped and a lot of customers, um, you know, tasted that kind of kombucha that we are making. And so they understand what the product is because a lot of the new brands that are coming in, although it's great to have, um, you know, in a category like this, you need help from everybody to build it. You can't do it alone. And so it's it's great um, for the category to keep having newer companies, newer brands come in. So they do the, uh, you know, the hard work also along with you to spread the word about the category. So you create the category together, but also there is a section and this is not just with India, this is globally. There is a section uh, of brands that come in with, um, you know, creating a flavored water or creating something which is a soda, which probably has a like a small percentage of kombucha in it. So it's not authentic kombucha. It's mm -hmm. a mix of things, but they call themselves kombucha. Oh. So when customers try that kombucha first, they cannot relate to the authentic one they think it's too strong or they think it's different it's tasting fermented or it's tasting like real food mm. versus tasting like a soda uh, although even real kombucha so that's like flavoring yeah although i think real kombucha is the tastiest and a lot of people love that but um there can be some confusion when brands sell uh, say synthetic flavored uh, beverages mm. and you know you're making the authentic one so i think it's uh, to answer your question, first move advantage, definitely. Helps, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, today, how do you educate customers about first kombucha and then about happy, happy kombucha? So, right. So, you know, I don't know why, but from the time I started going to the farmer's markets, I would always say, uh, and I think that's because nobody knew about the product, I would always say, do you want to try some kombucha? Do you want to try some kombucha shots? And it's always been about kombucha more than happy booch. Um, and it's just later that customers are able to kind of dis distinguish, oh, I've tried kombucha, I've tried atmosphere, I've tried happy booch, whatever. And um, uh, so, sorry, what was your question? So the <laughs> question was, one is how do you educate customers about oh, yeah. kombucha and Correct. then how do you kind of make them correct you know kind of stay with you or educate yes. them about your brand yes so um from the very beginning uh, we've been very transparent about talking about the process so we display in the jar only the activity that goes on in the fermentation we also have these uh, nice uh, standees that show the whole process so th nice. the whole thing is transparent mm -hmm. so Essentially, people need to know that kombucha is a real food. It's something that our ancestors made and, you know, it's traveled all over the world and come to India. Just how you have kanji and kimchi and sauerkraut and all of that. Um, so, 
farmers market has been like all kinds of small intimate markets farmers markets have been really helpful even some of the big events have been helpful to spread the word out i think but also importantly now because kombucha is in is in store shelves so we also started retailing in store shelves uh, since 2018 nice so that and then the whole shelf space increasing on kombucha mm. also really helps so i think uh, that and essentially we rely on social media I haven't spent a lot on marketing in fact i haven't spent anything on ads yet mm. So, you know, word of mouth and social media and intimate far farmers markets, these have been the... And also, obviously, if people go to cafes and stuff and they order kombucha, they get a bottle. And so that's how they also come to know. So do you think today, uh, average Indian is aware of what is kombucha? I wouldn't say the average Indian, but a lot of Indians, uh, a lot of your city customers, uh, city consumers do know that there's something called as kombucha that exists. Either they associate it as something which is very weird in taste or something very yummy or something very different. But they kind of, when like now, if I go to a farmer's market compared to uh, five years ago, now they say, oh, I know kombucha. I have mm. this kombucha, I have that kombucha. So they do know. But there also are a lot of people who need education. Like, so they'll be like, what is kombucha? And you have to explain it to them. So there's a mix, I would say, but also because of now exposure of mm. kombucha on Shark Tank India, for example, has also helped. So a lot of people know kombucha karke kuch exist karta hai. Yeah. And because the first time I heard about the word kombucha, I was like, like I didn't know what it was and yeah. I'm in the food business and obviously huh. I heard about a, a while ago. And then I heard about Scooby, I heard about so yeah. many other things <laughs> and I got Scooby. deeper, you know, deeper in that. And uh, that's because I think a few of my old customers who yeah. started out in this kind of educated me on this. Yes. Right. And I was like, what is this? Like, what is kombucha? Mm. Like I actually, like I remember talking to somebody for half an hour, like, okay, I've not heard of this. Like, please tell me what this is. Yeah. Right. Uh, obviously, uh, once this became an FMCG product, it had right. to be tested and also yeah. all of these guys came to us. And uh, the big challenge in anyone I've spoken to, they say for whenever you do anything new in a category, mm. it takes so much time and effort to educate that first 5% uh, or 10% of people, the potential customers. And if you're able to survive that, then you're able to scale. Like I yeah. know so many companies that they tried a new thing. But people didn't know about it. They were afraid to try it and it died. Mm. Right? So creating a strategy which is sustainable while educating customers still sustaining, thinking you may not make a profit, but at least you're surviving yeah. and you're able to you know, see the next year. Mm. And those people educated will kind of come back to you. Right? But I think the coming back part depends a lot on your product and not on your marketing. Yeah. Because if you pro see your marketing uh, sales all will get you the first the guy to try your product Absolutely. once. The second time when they have to come to your website and buy or go to Amazon or go to Zepto, wherever and buy your product or buy yeah, it off the shelf, yeah. it's because of the product. Absolutely. Right? Yes, the packaging helps or it's nicer, it helps. Obviously, you can position it, brand, yes. all the premiumness, affordability, all that is there. But I think finally it comes down to that, is this product good? Does I it, agree. do I feel good when I have the product? Yes. You could have the best product taste like shit, nobody's going to have it. <laughs> they buy the first time for the brand. Yes. Right? Imagine right. a Starbucks coffee tasted like crap. Mm. Nobody would have it the second time. Mm. People now go to a Starbucks because that it's a brand, it's a nice place to meet. Many a times I've asked people, do you go to Starbucks for coffee? Mm, for the and experience. the surprising answer is no. Right. We go there for the experience, we go there because we can meet people, it shows us in a certain light. Mm. So it's very interesting how a coffee place has got to do with status. Huh. And people will post pictures in Starbucks. People used to do that with, let's say, in a raw presser, even back in the day when it was the most expensive juice. Yeah. People would have a raw presser, 150 rupees, you can get a one liter. 
of a real or whatever but they buy 150 you know rupee ka itna sa juice but they'll take pictures with it yes right so that becomes uh, kind of interesting uh when you uh, started happy booch is the is it something you did as a you thought it will be a temporary thing or when you started you were like yeah okay i want to do this for the next 5 10 years no actually honestly very in the very beginning when i probably went to my first mar- farmers market in my head at that point it was like temporary maybe or maybe it's something we'll see how it goes because i really wasn't sure if um people will understand will i enjoy but i think after my first farmers market i had the answer and i at that point felt you know okay yeah there's a brand here or there's a product here that people really need mm. um and because people showed a lot of interest in getting it at home like they wanted a subscription and a regular supply and all that i think i found my answer in the first farmers market only nice and uh, i always thought that oh okay maybe going forward like when i grow old and retire i can just hand over the company to my niece or <laughs> to my future child or whatever <laughs> or to my cats, cats. whatever <laughs> i i think uh, your instagram is filled with uh, cats and or cat i don't know cat or cats i remember one cats, cat cats and two cats okay two cats okay and aesthetically pleasing hmm. home hmm. so i i'm going to answer the ask you next question but i think i know the answer if not happy booch then what else then i think uh, i would just like to be an artist making soaps and making um, wallpapers and things with hand and painting on the walls and stuff like that so i i but, i saw that in your recent post hmm. and your house looks like something that's been taken out of a catalog <laughs> right it's like very aesthetically pleasing so i was well, thinking oh your answer you. would be oh you know architect or home interior designer or something that because i think that just comes to you so naturally right it does uh, i think uh, my elder sister so i grew up watching her and she's just like somebody born talented i think there are people who are very creative and so she's always been like that her ideas have always been out of the box and her art has always been um, very inspirational so even though i want to be an artist i don't have any one expertise like i'm not good at painting or even sculpting for that matter like i suck at everything i do but i still <laughs> want to try things like i want to try to sculpt and i want to try to make soaps and all of that but i don't want to be also just stuck in this because this is not what life is all about like my idea of life is changing i think every month now okay. because there's a because I mean I I don't want to like make it sound like too like uh, exaggerated or fancy but I would say like I look at life differently now and I think a lot of it has to do with me deciding to start this business because this has sparked a different way of looking at life mm-hmm. and a different way of looking at everybody around me um so now when I interact with people um I don't just look at them for work like for example in my previous jobs you know in media you're looking at people or in financial journalism you're looking at people on a little more little more transactional level um i mean i've never been that person but i have a little more how do i say like this awareness of the fact that we are all one and there is a like a one consciousness mm. and that's that applies to everything applies to plants animals all of us and i think everything because again like you said people don't believe in manifestations but okay they may not believe in that but they cannot deny the fact that everything is energy right how do you, how have you seen yourself evolve in the last 5 mm. years i would say um it i i think i have sort of unlearned everything um 
I do not associate myself as oh I am a this and I am a that. I am just another person, and um, everybody is I think equally divine and equally um, capable. It's just that the people are in, on, in their own different journeys, so it's for them to go through their journey and realize who they are, what they are. But so that whole stripping off of ego has happened for me, and I wouldn't say that it's entirely happened because. it's not possible for people who are living you know our lives today but um to a great extent i would say i look at life differently now i look at everything in the form of energy and now i believe more in in the whole you know exchange of energy and all of that not making it sound like woo woo you know because i also have this tendency to go and research things a lot it's because of my background so if i come across something i will research it deeply and i'll read books about it to establish whether it's making sense or not and so i will never say uh, this doesn't happen uh aise nahi hota waise nahi hota never you say i don't know and then you go research about it and then you find your answers and you will continue to find answers you'll never say that oh this is the final thing because things keep changing evolving science keeps evolving so when people say science doesn't do this they're probably unaware of how broad and wide the subject of science is everything is science you know like ayurveda could be science Absolutely. for example or um, quantum physics the whole study of energy the whole study of who we are do we have a consciousness what is consciousness all of that is science Absolutely. so you cannot say science is just <laughs> pharma uh, pharmaceuticals for example so uh, when you mentioned earlier about people and different people yeah. and all same energy it reminded me of uh, a quote yeah all of us are playing the same game hmm. just at different levels yes we all are in the same hell dealing with different devils <laughs> right right uh, the idea is i think every person has what i would refer to as a native genius hmm something that they are naturally good at absolutely unfortunately Huh. Many people don't figure out what their native genius is. Correct. It could be writing, it could be speaking, it could be sculpting, it could be painting, it could be decorating, it could be making food, making whatever, right? Yeah. Creating processes, public speaking, whatever it is. But I think people should figure that out and then devote their life to getting deeper in that. Many a times, when you look at uh, when when somebody talks uh, about their kid being an artist, back in the day. a person would be kind of sort of ashamed of it like oh yeah my son just sings oh my daughter just plays the keyboard hmm. but those people today are world class performers yeah right because they committed to their craft they were good at it they enjoyed it and if you enjoy your native genius and you work in it and you get good at it money will come yeah right but many people don't believe in themselves enough yeah. to be able to commit yeah because we are um, we are controlled by fear most of the times and to to actually have that faith that you will be provided for if you followed what you're meant to do or what you're good at i think that's so difficult it is because very difficult because we are just programmed to give into fear i think as a society people spread more fear yeah while they should be spreading more faith yeah so the other day i read a very beautiful quote which says let your decisions be led by faith and not fear hmm right unfortunately most of our decisions are led by fear oh yeah. what what if this happens then yeah. so yeah, might as exactly. well take the safer bet let's yes. not take that you know let's not do that extra yeah. thing and uh, people who are successful and and whichever dimension of success it could be at work it could be personal life it could be professionally money whatever 
you call success yeah. is because they did things other people didn't do. Yeah. Because others they would be like everybody else. They would not take bold decisions. They would not be able to get to that level of success. Commit to that level of uh, you know work that needs to get done to become successful. Like let it be a tennis player, let it be a chess player, let it be anyone in any yeah. field. Yeah. If you commit to it and take pride in it, right? Let it be video editing. Let it be podcasting. Right? Let it be marketing, sales, any aspect of business. Yeah. If you get good at it and you focus on it and you take pride in the work you do, I think nothing is going to stop you from becoming absolutely, absolutely. Right? Uh, today, how would you define culture at Happy Butch? So I think we are just a team of mostly women, especially in the kitchen and also in the admin bit. Uh, there are delivery boys who do the delivery. So. Um, the culture is more like family, I would say, you know, just like sisterhood um, at a very, I mean, unspoken level. Um, and there's not, I mean, there's not much of glamorizing that bit, uh -huh. that whole sisterhood bit. It's just on a very community level because most of the people who work at Happy Butch, these women are just looking for a purpose, like they are maybe not educated and so... Um, they really doubt themselves, but because of thanks to the food industry now, that's also becoming so artisanal. Mm -hmm. uh, women can actually express themselves and also feel like a sense of purpose through creating. Mm -hmm. uh, I think everybody deeply wants to create, mm -hmm. no matter your educational qualifications. So, so I would just say that it's yeah, it's like family. So yeah. having a team that is more of a family than a co-worker or co-workers, I think is invaluable. And it's very difficult to create that sense of family. Yeah. Right? And it becomes even more difficult as you start to grow. Hmm. I remember sure. uh, there was a time when we were just a team of 20 people. Yeah. I knew every single person. I knew everything about everyone's life. Girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, children, Sasuma, everything. Right? Okay. I knew everything about everyone. Unfortunately, as we've grown. Yeah. And today we're touching about 1000 plus people. I, I, I'm not able to do that. I'm able to do that probably with my closer team. But at mass, I'm not able to do that. And I feel really bad. That's one thing I really miss out on. So every month I'll have a session with the teammates, especially the new teammates, where we get into a room and they're not told what it's about. They're like, oh, CEO wants to meet. And everyone's actually scared. Like, oh, shit, now what's happening? But then <laughs> right. like one month, they're still freshers. Right? Most yeah. of them are freshers. So by the way, most of the people we hire at Equinox are freshers. We have the yeah. first job, right? They have no idea what we're talking about. They'll think, oh, they won't ask me something about work. Hmm. We talk about personal lives. We talk about what are your hobbies. So Tell nice. us about your, you yeah. know, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? Yeah. There's so many times I have, uh, back in the day when I used to interviews, I used to always ask people, where do you see yourself five years from now? Yeah. And most of the time, the answer was manager. Hmm. That's a standard reply. You get an at least our thing. We want to be manager in the lab. We want to manage. Yeah. Very, very few set of people would give me a different answer. Yeah. And what I would do is whatever their different answer was, mm. if being with us in that in a different department would allow them to get to that career path. Like I remember I was interviewing a chemist mm. and uh, when I asked the same question, the answer I get from 99 other chemists I've interviewed would have been I want to be a manager in chemistry, yeah. which is fine, which is their career right. path. This person, I would be a writer. Mm. Writer? Why writer? Oh, I'm very passionate about it. Said, okay. We gave her a chance to write. Yeah. I told her to write something. I yeah. gave her a half an hour assignment. She wrote an amazing thing. She was the first copywriter we had. And she was like, wow. and I asked her, like, why aren't you work? Why aren't you applying for a copywriter's right. job? She like, she her little words were, who in their right mind 
would hire a so smart biochemistry major yeah. as a copywriter. Yeah. I'm like, me, not true. in my right mind, will hire you. Yeah. Because she has passion. She was with right. us for a while. And uh, the point was, but again, the kind of work that you get out of somebody when you combine the passion, not mm. profession, not their education, but their passion true. and profession match, you can have magic that happens, right? So apart from maybe the lab side of things where education is mandatory yeah. as per the regulations, nowhere else in the company do we look at education as a criteria. We don't look at marks. Mm. We don't look at education. We literally look at passion. Mm. Because of which our attrition is extremely low because we right. allow people to do what they're passionate about. Two, the culture that we've created is again like family, but at scale. Maybe I'm not, I may not know yeah. every single person, but the team leader knows every single person. So we've been able to replicate that. What I had maybe 20 people now, each of my team leaders has a 20-30 people team. They're able to create that with that team. And it's family. They don't, they have fun in the office. So that's why they're one of our core values. Have fun while serving others. So they have to have fun. Like we force people to have fun. Like you don't want to have fun. No, we are, we are going to do something fun today. We'll have games. We'll have all middle of work. Right? That's we so nice. That. Because it, work is stressful. Yeah. Right. Uh, when people want to excel, when the company is growing at a certain pace, you're going to be stretched. Not a single person is ever asked to stretch. Mm. Never, ever will anybody be asked to work beyond their time. They will do it because they're passionate about I what they do. I think that's so important. Right? I know people who've come in on Sundays. Huh. And by the way, I'm not, on their own, yeah. not, not because I'm supposed to know about it and not right. even reporting to me. Like right. teammates, teammates. And I'm seeing something happening in the office. I was like, one second, why are people in office right now? Mm. No, no, there is some extra workload. So they've come. I'm like, oh, they're going to take a comp off later. No, no, they can't afford to take a comp off. So they're not, they're not opting for a comp off. Mm. Then I get angry. I'm like, of course, if somebody's coming on Sunday, they should get a comp off. I'm yeah. fighting the other way around where I'm telling the team lead, Are make sure the person takes a comp off so that, hey, they're coming on a Sunday because extra workload. And the person's like, no, no, no. They've decided not to take yeah. comp off because they had to finish the extra project that they're working on. And when I ask the person, why aren't you applying for a comp off? No, no, this was a special project. My day-to-day -day work is there, which I do mm. other days. But you're giving me this other special project, which I didn't have time on the other day, so I came on a Sunday to work to do the special. That's unheard of. But when you allow people freedom, hmm. when you give them saying, hey, this is your baby, you handle it. You'll be very surprised how much care they take of it. And no supervision. Like, here's your baby. You need to make this baby go from here to here. It's your baby. Yeah. Manage it. You'll be surprised how people mature. I've seen, so by the way, there was, there was a shift in our culture mm. where earlier, back in the day, it was very controlled, very micromanaged and da, 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 da. Okay. We did well, huh. but people are not happy. We did okay, like 10%, 15% growth annually. And how did you company realize wise. that? I realized it because when I realized people were leaving. Okay. Nine months later, one year later. People mm. why leaving? I mean, they give some excuse. Mm. Then I got a little deeper. I realized they were not happy. Mm. That day I decided that I'm going to change my role. My job is to create a great workplace. So if you want to, if you want to catch butterflies, you can either run behind them with a net mm. or you just create a beautiful garden. So mm. I heard this analogy somewhere. They said, if you want to attract butterflies, just create a beautiful garden. Yet butterflies will come. They will thrive. They will grow. They will not leave the garden because it's nice. Attract, don't chase. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But now that works so well. By the way, that works with customers. Mm. If a customer says, hey, we don't want to work with you or if they don't kind of, you know, if, if we call up and the customer is angry about us following up, we don't call yeah. again. Okay. We just don't call again. We're like, okay, no, no, no problem. It could be price. It could be whatever. You're not in my region or whatever it is. We're going yeah. somebody else. We do not force people. By the way, we will still educate them. Hey, something new comes, even though you're not my client, we will get a call saying, hey, by the way, there's a new regulation. I know you're not working with us with whatever, but this is going to affect you. So please, you may want to do something about it, mm. right? 
people love that about us. They're like, hey, you guys care about us kind of helping us grow, yeah. scale, stay compliant, even though we are not your clients. Mm. Like many people think that the people who come on the show are our clients. They're not. Many of them are not. Two, I don't even care. Morning we interviewed somebody, not a client. Didn't matter to me. Afternoon we interviewed somebody just before yeah. who you met. I was told by my team, my marketing yeah. team, oh, they're not a client. I'm like, oh, fair enough, fair enough. No worries. And uh, we had a, an yeah. amazing interview. At the end, uh, they were both the uh, mother-daughter duo. We're like, do you know how much business we've given you since we began? <laughs> I was like, one sec. I thought you're not a customer. They're like, of course we're a customer. Where else should we go? I'm like, are you kidding me? They changed the name of the company. Uh, even obviously. I think when I started off, I was recommended Equinox by everybody. So we've so, always used Equinox for all testing. The idea is behind that. Yeah. If you are helpful to people and don't expect anything in return, you will get more than you've given. Uh, this is, again, sounds not very sciencey, but it works. Yeah. Because I believe in a basic fundamental principle of karma. You yeah. do good in the world. Absolutely. 10 times good will come back to you, but don't expect something comes back right away. Mm. Right? Any person you talk to in Equinox will advise you on what to do. They will, and by the way, we will talk about services that we don't even provide. Mm. As a business, what you need, we will guide you to that. Like, hey, as you're starting something new, here are a few things you need yeah. to do. Out of that, maybe two out of the 10, maybe we do. We have many eight, we don't even do. We'll connect to the ecosystem. We'll, why? Because we want you to succeed. Mm. By the way, we'll continue these sessions even if you're not a client, even if you come back again and you didn't buy last time. No worries, we'll still guide you, we'll still help you. It comes back 10 times more. Our best clients have always come back because somebody recommended them. Not one. Absolutely. Two, three, four, five people recommended. They go to one person, hey, who should go to? Or they go to Equinox. They go to the next person, who should go to Equinox. Yeah. We, so I keep telling my team, you don't need to sell. You just need to solve. Solve the customer's problem. Selling happens by itself, right? Uh, in the discovery process of Happy Boot, where do you think is the biggest friction point? As in? Or like, for people to discover it? I would say um, they're just not aware. A lot of people are not aware of the existence of kombucha or our brand. And that's because the category is small. Mm. And also because there's no one large player. Like there's no one large FMCG. Mm. For example, in the US, uh, Starbucks and Coke all have their own kombucha brands because they've acquired over time. And, um, you know, the whole... Uh, touch points and awareness. I mean, they've been doing kombucha for 25-30 years now. So uh, they're far ahead of the curve. Yeah, definitely. So it's is not it because a, people are not aware of what the product is or are people not aware of what the benefits of the product? Both, I would say. So when I first heard about kombucha, I'm like, okay, that's a thing. Yeah. But for maybe six months after that, I don't know the benefits of having kombucha. Yeah, so can you just double click on that and... What are the benefits? Why should I have kombucha? So I would say kombucha, but also overall the whole probiotics category. Mm -hmm. Because when you're, um, you know, say for example, you're on antibiotics or in general, you're having your usual day-to-day -day food, junk food, home food, all of that. You're over time washing out the whole balance between good and bad bacteria. And what happens is you are not able to repopulate it. So a lot, lot of people resort to capsules and all of that. But I personally feel that instead of using capsules and other 
um, you know, such products, uh, medicinal mm. products. You could just use natural food, um, which is in the form of kombucha, kefir, kimchi, kwas, kanji. I mean, there's so many things. Uh, you can pickle vegetables and eat it. And we actually do also email a lot of times recipes for nice. these things. Um, or even in workshops, we just teach people how to make these things. So I think kombucha is one, but also when you incorporate different fermented fruits from different brands, mm. they are sourcing their products, uh, their say raw materials, the veggies and the teas and all of that from different farmers as well. So you're actually getting, when you buy a mix of brands and a mix of products, you're getting a healthy mix of probiotics because your gut already has millions of them. So you cannot just give it one strain of mm. probiotic and be like, oh, I'm sorted for life. So kombucha, what it does is being a natural probiotic, it just, um, you know, helps your gut stay healthy. And it's also a fun drink. It's like a good replacement to iced tea, to soda, because it's a mix of both. It's tea and you're having it in cold form. And it's also got its own natural effervescence. So it's like a soda, but it's also got its own unique fermented taste, mm. which is not too overpowering mm. if fermented right. Uh, and it's also a non-alcoholic drink, which is versatile. So you can use it as a mixer. You can use it with a lot of your juices, smoothies, or even use it as a, you know, a, a very strong kombucha can be used as a vinegar, salad dressing. Um, I've tried washing my hair with kombucha and I've put, <laughs> I've tried putting the scoby on my face, uh, like, you know, in this whole experimentation of making soaps and masks. I've made so many uh, kombucha scoby um, nice. masks. Nice. And I've also tried um, dehydrating or drying naturally the scoby itself, which becomes like a leather. Mm. So... I mean, I wonder what can be done with it. Like globally, if you look up online, mm. you will see a lot of people are making outfits with it or making shoes and bags with it. Similar to how you use, uh, you know, this um, pineapple uh, mm -hmm. leather mm. or cork and all mm. of that. So similarly, it's a very sustainable thing, which, you know, if you just also when, when we throw it, we don't throw the scoby mm. away. Like that's the Does the scoby die at some point or does it in, just... No, I don't think it, it dies, but okay. a very like a very old layer of scoby would become very dark and probably not grow as much. So the beautiful thing about scobies is that uh, scoby, by the way, is the bacteria Correct. and yeast culture that ferments the kombucha. Correct. So it's like a roti. It's like a disc. And Correct. people call it mushroom for some reason because it's fluffy and all. So uh, it grows, like it grows layers. Every mm. time you ferment a batch, mm. a new layer comes on top. So you can remove the old layer and okay. you can use it in your next batch or you can remove the top layer and give it to someone, whatever, like whichever way. Nice. So when I got my first scoby from a family friend, from, uh, you know, friend's mom, um, that is the scoby that's actually been used till Till, till now. Till now. Wow. And we also then later did buy some, you know, after testing the probiotics and all, did buy some uh, US-based scobies mm. just to check if that makes any difference mm. and all of that. But otherwise, the scoby... But did it make a difference? Uh, not much. Actually, it's very hard to tell because there's not a lot of testing available to check different strains of probiotics. But no, in terms I don't of taste, flavor profile, did it change no, much? No, no, not much. Because okay. the taste is mostly to do with the tea. Tea, correct. The tea and, you know, the tea leaves, what kind of... Uh, tea leaves you're using and what kind of flavorings you're using so when I say flavorings I'm always thinking the natural ingredients in their raw form like the rose petals and the lavender buds and the mango pieces and the you know orange pieces and all of that at most with some things like blueberry because it's it doesn't have the ability to like let the product sink in you need mm. to puree it mm. or with strawberry also but otherwise you can just use the fruit and herb in its natural form and put it in the beverage 
over 24 48 hours it just absorbs all the like somewhat of the color and all the flavor so you don't even have to put any artificial flavorings in kombucha Beautiful. that's the beauty about it so one brand uh, when you said uh, no, gut health one yeah. brand i think took off quite well was yakult Mm-hmm. Because it had the little form. However, it didn't. It didn't become a beverage. Yeah. It became like a shot you take shot. for good health. Yeah. Right. Do you think uh, kombucha can become something that way, where instead of it being a drink, it yeah. becomes a shot of good health? Because I think so. Because I was a consumer of Yakult for a long time. Now right. I don't have it anymore, but I still have it for a long time. And for me, it was oh, it tasted okay. Like yeah. wasn't some great taste or something I really enjoyed. Yeah. Or, and like savor it or whatever. Right. But it's every time I open the fridge or there's a Yakult bottle, chala, you know, once in a day. You have a shot. Yeah. You kind of know you're doing it for good health, mm. right? And it didn't taste like horrible. It Correct. tasted nice, it decent. Right. Do you think kombucha in that format will do well? I think it can. Correct. With the right format, packaging, pricing, and education. Uh, but the kombucha that we are making right now is refrigerated. Mm. Uh, it's not shelf stable. Mm. Obviously, if you make them in cans, it can be shelf stable. Mm. Um, a lot of brands abroad uh, use some stabilizers to make them shelf stable in bottles as well. Uh, but I was never like interested in growing the category so much that I lose track of the authenticity of the product. So I haven't really thought of it, but definitely a shots, kombucha in shots for anybody who is wanting to, I think, get into the category, expand the category. It's a very good format to look at. To explore, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, last uh, question to you. Now, this is more on your personal life, my personal side. How do you scale yourself? How do you grow? So, uh, for a long time when I started the business, I used to um, have this tendency to kind of self-sabotage and blame myself for a lot of the things that I wasn't doing, which I wouldn't have been able to do. I would not have had the emotional bandwidth for. But I think in the last year or so, I've started realizing the importance of filling your own bucket because if you always think of doing things for your business or for your family or friends or whatever, you, you, you're, you're running empty anyway. So how long are you going to survive? So I think a very big lesson for me uh, through also working alone all these years has been to focus on my own personal growth as well. And that doesn't have to mean that I'm doing something and sharing it with the world. It could be just my own internal journey. It could be the way I spend those five minutes in the morning by myself. Or it could be in the way that, you know, I do something for myself at night before going to bed, like a calming night routine. It can be any of that. But I've also uh, started valuing, um, you know, like doing courses and learning things online. Uh, also, owning up to the fact that, okay, I'm maybe not a typical business person. I have my flaws and I have certain boundaries uh, to which I will stick to, um, you know, to run my business because at the end of the day, it is my business. So I get to decide how I want to do. Obviously, right. the customer is the king and the customer should always be the focus. And that's always been the case. I mean, it's like the customer is the center uh, to every decision in terms of the whole ingredient story, everything. But um, also valuing yourself, uh, which I used to think earlier is something only sissies do, for example. Uh, I've, I think, come a long way in terms of admitting that you also do need to fill your own bucket. You, de you do need time to kind of rejuvenate yourself, keep yourself interested, uh, you know, and not feel guilty about it. 100%. Shalja, yeah. thank you so much for sharing uh, uh, you know, parts of your journey, thank sharing you. uh, parts of your personal life uh, and the challenges uh, you know, that 
solo entrepreneur goes through, especially when you're creating a new category. I know that's an extremely challenging role. And doing it alone requires, I think, a fair bit of resilience. Mm -hmm. uh, it requires a fair bit of grit because mm -hmm. every founder that I know goes through tons and tons of uh, failures yeah, yeah. Uh, while they're growing and doing it alone. And I know it because many of businesses I do alone, uh, what the toll that it can take. Uh, so thank you for sharing those very openly. And uh, I think you've created an amazing product. We tested it, tried your product right thank before you. and was amazing. And uh, the variations you're coming out with, the way you've branded it, right? I think you are completely primed for success. It is something that should be, and I think in the next five years will be in every house. And oh, I wish thank you, you thank and you the so team much. at Happy Boost the very best. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ashwin. Thank you. Yeah.